0: Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. Grab your orange juice and keep a lookout behind your shoulder because today we're going to talk about the 1992 romantic drama thriller The Bodyguard starring Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. Today I thought it would be really fun to invite in a really good neighborhood friend of ours and uh, my birthday triplet. She has a twin sister, but we share a birthday, but I'm welcoming in Nina Carlson. How are you doing?
1: I'm so glad to be here, birthday triplet.
0: Yes. So we were born on the same day and the same year. Uh, Not quite the same time, but, you know.
1: I think you beat me by a few hours.
0: (laughs) It it makes me that much wiser, right?
1: (laughs) older.
0: There's some some debate about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yes, we're talking about The Bodyguard today. It was released in November of 1992, and it's celebrating its 30th birthday by going back into theaters for a limited time. So I was on social media, and because social media knows everything about me, it threw out this advertisement about The Bodyguard being in theaters. And I thought that would be a, a perfect opportunity to discuss this. Uh, like a lot of people our age the soundtrack has a special place in their hearts i know it does mine but even though it has a special place in my heart i actually was too young to see this r-rated film and so this was actually my first time watching the movie so uh, was it really yeah yeah It's my first time so i didn't tell you i didn't tell you that so um so i thought that would make it kind of interesting so uh, I want to I want to find out what you you know think about it your history with the movie the music but I was just going to go in a little bit about uh, the background to this movie people haven't seen it or it's been a while but uh, the Bodyguard is directed by Mick Jackson and the screenplay is by Lawrence Kasdan I want to talk about him uh, a little later but um, um, best-selling pop diva Rachel Maron, who's played by Whitney Houston has a stalker whose obsession has risen to the level of disturbing threats. At the urging of her manager, played by Gary Kemp, Rachel hires former Secret Service agent Frank Farmer, Kevin Costner. Frank Farmer, by the way, is a good character name. I thought that was a they they were spot on with that. But uh, Frank Farmer is hired I as her.
1: Disagree. Bo-
0: oh, okay, all right.
1: We can disagree about that later.
0: Yeah. Okay, we're getting into it. All right. <laughs> so she, he's hired as her bodyguard. Initially resented and treated with disdain for his hard-nosed security procedures, Farmer soon becomes an integral part of Rachel's inner circle. As they spend more time together, Con and Protector become closer still. So this film grossed $411 million worldwide, becoming the second highest grossing film of 1992. Could you even give a guess of what the number one movie was, Nina? I'll give you a hint. It was an animated movie from 1992.
1: In 1992. So let's see. We would have been, what, 11? Yeah. Eleven animated movie. Give me another hint.
0: I'm <laughs> um, a uh, magic carpet ride.
1: Oh, Aladdin.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. So at the time of the release of this film, this kind of su- surprised me a little bit. At the time of its release, it was the 10th highest grossing film of all time. However, this film was uh, generally panned by critics who criticized the screenplay and performance of the lead actors. The film's accompanying soundtrack by Houston became the best selling soundtrack album of all time with sales of over 45 million copies worldwide and won the Grammy award for album of the year. While the singles, I have nothing and run to you received nominations for the Academy award and also for best original song. So, I have to ask you, are you on the side of the fans of this movie or on the side of the critics?
1: Oh, well, you know, I like you. Well, I guess differently than you. I do have childhood memories of The Bodyguard. I also was not allowed to watch this movie when it first <laughs> came out as I was 11 years old. However, my first connection with this movie, I, and this is what made me a fan, even though I had not even seen the full movie yet. I have a very strong memory of being probably not 11 but i was probably maybe 12 or 13. i mean i know i was young because the songs were still so popular yeah and i was babysitting for my next door neighbor and i was also not supposed to be watching primetime mtv and vh1 because <laughs> you know my parents thought that i was too young but when i was babysitting <laughs> the kids will go to bed and you're, you're trying to stay awake, waiting for the parents to come home, you know, because you don't want them to come home and find you to sleep on the couch, you know, whatever. And so I would watch music videos on MTV or VH1 whenever I was babysitting. And I can remember trying so hard to stay awake, waiting for these parents to come home. And Whitney Houston's I will always love you coming on. Like, I don't remember if it was MTV or VH1. but watching that music video and knowing it was from that movie that I was not allowed to see.
0: (laughs) You saying this this is just randomly um, where I was from. Actually, I I don't know what was passed for this to happen, but MTV wasn't even, you couldn't purchase MTV. I don't know if some kind of bill was passed in my county or whatever. So I remember like, if you like went to a hotel in dallas or wherever like when they had MP- mtv my eyes were just pretty wide open because it was like this like you know yeah <laughs>
1: exactly well the neighbors had mtv and i would watch music videos while i was babysitting and i remember <laughs> the soundtrack songs from this and music videos were such a big thing then right seeing the music video from a song was.
0: yeah it's so funny it a um
1: cool thing i guess
0: so um you rewatching this had it been a while since you had seen this movie?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but I I mean, I'd seen it a number of times. Um I don't remember exactly how old I was when I first saw it. I know I was a kid. I just wasn't 11. So I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't see it yeah. when it first came out, but I was like a teenager. I don't know. They must have released it to TV or I don't know, something, but I've yeah. seen it a few times over the years.
0: Okay, so watching it now, I mean, do you still enjoy it? Do you still get wrapped up into it? Or what's your feelings about it?
1: Well, I mean, it's a it's a good story. Um, you know, watching it now, there's certainly things about it that seem less realistic than maybe you would have felt when you were younger and you watched it. But it's still a good story.
0: <laughs> okay so i really didn't <laughs> like this movie <laughs> okay tell me
1: why tell me why
0: well now when i i want to front it with that i don't think it's like an unwatchable movie right but it's almost one of those with everybody involved in the movie I, i'm a little surprised that this is what came out of it but i i just thought i had i had a couple of issues and i don't know if it's because i'm just you know this. Uh, I guess I'm 41 now, 41 year old who's watching this for the first time versus, you know, like in the moment of things. But um, I just never felt like the uh, any kind of chemistry between um, Farmer and Rachel, uh, the two main characters. I just never felt. And I know I know I shouldn't have been surprised because I really I mean, I've just known this movie uh, from. It's famous, the famous stills, like the movie poster is really famous of that image of her, of him carrying her, you know, carrying her in the it's kind of like, I don't know if it was raining at the time, but it's real famous. But I I guess I was a little surprised that (laughs) I shouldn't have been that the movie The Bodyguard is about the body the bodyguard um i I didn't expect it to be so much of kevin costner's story and that really kind of threw me off a little bit and i just thought the balance they just missed the mark like i you know this was all told you know told and from his perspective and i just didn't think it ever gave whitney houston's character rachel like any kind of like i don't know it didn't give her any kind of say into the story at all like if I question you now to say what she was motivated, motivated by, you couldn't tell me it was to me. It was very much a story told through the male gaze of this bodyguard who is the protector and just saves her from everything.
1: Oh, see, now not... we're going to have to disagree. Again, Nathan. <laughs> OK, I do agree with you. I mean, the the story watching it now to me feels it feels thin. Right. It right. feels it's not a very complex developed story at the same time i feel like the chemistry between them is like sort of not the point i think to me it was clear from the movie i mean she's this big celebrity you know all of that kind of stuff she's so desperate i feel like to find some like something more than beyond the surface you know something more You know she wants to be loved and all of that kind of stuff that she's just extremely desperate to be loved and he's sort of in the same situation right like he's like this kind of lonely guy like he's got trauma left over from when he was a secret service agent and this bad thing happened when he wasn't there and all of that kind of stuff so the two of them are very much in the same boat that they're both sort of like desperate for love i feel like
0: but i feel like
1: that's the chemistry between them is that they're both like looking for the same thing, but also emotionally damaged in a way.
0: But could you tell me anything about her personality?
1: Well, she's a diva.
0: She's a diva. Exactly. That's it. That's all they give you. Like we, we don't know if she's funny. We don't know if like, I I don't know. I I just like. I agree.
1: The story is a little thin, you know, going back and watching it. Now the story is super thin. And also it makes a lot of, jumps and assumptions that i did not notice when i would watch it you know when i was younger that when i watched it again recently i thought well they didn't explain that very well or that's not very plausible but i think to me one of the things about movies that i enjoy overall is that it lets you sort of like have an escape or you know sometimes it's great to watch a really you know difficult complex movie and sometimes you just want to be entertained yeah. and i i feel like this movie does that it's got action it's got romance you know so yeah. it it kind of hits those marks
0: yeah I, and i get that because i one thing i did like about it was this kind of behind the scenes look especially you know, being a movie fan, you know, just the behind-the-scenes of the Oscar show at the end. Um, also, I thought it was pretty brave to say that not only was Rachel nominated for Best Actress, but she ultimately—spoiler here—wins. And I was like, I was like, that's a lot of pressure to put on. Uh, uh, you know, this was one of Whitney Houston's like first acting gigs to be like, okay, you're gonna play a character, and not only. A character, a character but a character who's nominated to win best actors good luck you <laughs> go out there with kevin costner who you know has already you know headlined several movies so i felt i felt a little bad for her in the moment but all that said i do enjoy that and also kind of looking back you know, when this was released in 1992, we're so inundated now with uh, celebrities and their behind. I'm using quotes here, behind the scenes look of their lives. You know, you can go on Instagram and see, you know, whoever, whatever, like that. And you have to kind of think about when this movie came out. I think getting that kind of peak of like, oh, this is, this is how this female superstar. Uh, would have to have this entourage. I mean, was entourage even like a term used back then? You know, so I think it's a little harder now because we're more familiar with those things, but I I did enjoy that. This was, this was like you mentioned, this was a new world that we were seeing. So I was just surprised. I I mentioned it, mentioned him in the intro, but Lawrence Kasdan, he's a well-renowned writer who's done many numerous screenplays. Um, He's, he's just, mostly known for empire strikes back part of the star wars but he he's worked on indiana jones movies the big chill like he's done all these great movies so that's what i was like shocked at like the you used the perfect word the thin script and the motivations of everything so but just i i don't oh know just the thing with like her rachel's sister and how she comes on to him and then they kiss and I I don't know, all of it was just, I was just like, what is happening here? And then the boat, the boat explodes, but like they don't ever really, it happens, but then they don't ever really investigate it after it happens. They just, you know, they don't really ever explain how it got there. And I I don't know. And just with his and the former, like, did we ever really understand why this former secret service agent is like has it out for rachel like we never really learn why he's like trying to kill her i I don't know it's just i thought he
1: was a paid hitman i thought it was just a job for him right like i thought
0: oh yeah
1: Sister hired him to do this hit and so for him it was just a job yeah i don't think he personally cared or had it out for her i think you know this is like you know kevin costner quit the secret service and went into being a private bodyguard. This guy quit the secret service and kind of like went more to the dark side. So now he's, I mean, who knows how many, but he's taking these hitman jobs for hire to use his skills, but for bad instead of good. I thought that he was supposed to be like the foil for Kevin Costner where like they both have a similar background and one went to the light and one went to the dark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really, um, we're
1: tying it back to like Star Wars, right?
0: <laughs> you can see exactly. the
1: writing, it's all the same.
0: <laughs> yes, I never I I never thought to bridge those two movies together, but I, that's I'm so glad <laughs> that you have done that now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then is it also like was it trying to paint paint the guy that they were kind of teasing as the possible killer? You know, who is kind of making these notes and stuff? Were they trying to make us like feel sorry for him at the end of the movie? Do you get what I'm getting? And that was really weird to me as well. So anyway, just as far as far as screenplay writing goes, like just to have him, he's solely there to mislead the audience. That's it. We don't ever see any kind of weird connection or anything, but they somehow try to make us care for this really strange guy. And I don't know when they were all like leaving uh, the Oscar show and they just stayed lingered on him and he kind of sulked away like a little puppy. I was like. still very much a creeper here <laughs>
1: he was more of your like run-of-the-mill creepy guy yeah versus
0: he, man. i'll ignore him he's not a threat he just likes writing threat letters that's yeah. it so yeah anyway yeah um so yeah it just kind of characters were really thin and i you you liked the chemistry between them i just i, I just didn't buy it with them
1: Well, no, it's not that I liked the chemistry between them. I just felt like you could kind of understand how something like that could happen because she lives in this bubble, right? Like she's a celebrity and it's not like she can go out and really actually meet people in any kind of normal type of way. And he's in the same boat, right? Like he, he's always on like jobs for hire and he has this policy of like, Oh, don't get too close to your clients and everything. And so neither of them really has any ability to have any kind of a healthy relationship and so i think that she just sort of starts to confuse this whole like protector thing with attraction i mean that's sort of the vibe that i got from it so i think that's where the chemistry came from is sort of this like mutual desperation kind of thing which is very sad at the same time, you can kind of see how two people like that could end up together because they both have these very small circles of people that they ever actually encounter based on whatever their specific circumstances are. So
0: yeah, and that's this is how all- I kind of
1: made sense of it.
0: But you're also proving to me that you're you're just providing evidence to me that this this relationship does not exist anymore. Like they go their separate ways. The only reason they're together is because they're around each other all the time. And it clearly states that now he's back on the political circuit, uh, so to speak, which is one of the weirdest closing shots of a movie I've ever seen, by the way. But she's off in her startup. Like, I, I don't uh I just don't I don't see these two uh, making it, at, you know, because that's what they're their attraction was built on him always being around her. And now he's actually mm-hmm. not now. Yes. He saved her life. Um, but uh, I mean, I just, you know, where do these two go from now? They're just living completely separate lives. I I, I didn't see the relationship really sticking. So,
1: I mean, I agree with you. Um, at the same time, the part that I thought was sort of unexplained or weird in the movie is, you know, they went to that, Bar on their, you know, date and they were dancing to like the country version or the original yes, yeah. version of I will always love. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're supposed to like see that and then remember at the end because she's singing like her version of I will always love you at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. And then yeah. you see him and they're living these separate lives, but she's singing I Will Always Love You as if they were some kind of like you know, couple that was meant to be and whatever. Yeah. But to me, that doesn't make sense because. They don't explain why he would like mean so much to her, but then they would like so easily go their separate ways that she would like go on to sing that you think of it as like, Oh, it's a tribute to their love or, you know, what if she remembers this, it's nostalgic, whatever. But if he meant so much to her, they could have stayed together even though he wasn't her bodyguard. Right. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. He she yeah. just gets a new bodyguard and then they go live separate lives. Yeah. So- I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's like nostalgia for the fact that she'll never meet anybody yeah.
0: else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you saying that right now, I don't know why I'm asking this question. Okay, let's say you're Rachel, all right? You're Whitney yeah. Houston. Would Tony still have a job after all this, you know, her original big bodyguard?
1: Oh no, he was terrible. <laughs>
0: he was horrible. He
1: was terrible.
0: <laughs> and, uh, the fact that Uh, I actually liked the kitchen fight between uh, him and Frank uh, um, in the kitchen. I kind of enjoyed that a little bit, but then just how they're like, just like bros by the end. Like, Hey, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. I'm sorry. If you, maybe it's different in the bodyguard circuit, you know, maybe people have a different set of rules, but I'm sorry, (laughs) Nina, if you threw a knife at me, that would be a little hard to forget.
1: (laughs) I agree. If we had a knife fight in a kitchen, I don't think we could be buds anymore. No,
0: no. Um, and Devin's like, why doesn't Nathan ever hang out with me anymore? Well,
1: he threw a knife at me.
0: <laughs> so I told you, we, we, we don't get, we don't get too, uh, too deep uh, on this. So I, I, I do. Um, I mean, we've kind of talked about it. The music. Went, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of stupid to say, especially with the stats that threw out earlier that like, Hey, this music really holds up, but as someone who hasn't seen the movie before and I don't know, maybe my parents own the CD. I can't quite remember, but I was even shocked by how many of the songs I knew and recognized. I was like, I was really, really surprised. And Whitney was with me when I was watching this. We kind of watched it over a couple of nights and she was in and out. Whitney, your
1: wife, not Whitney Houston.
0: Right. No, (laughs) let me be clear. Not Whitney Whitney Houston. But. She, you know, I, I think she was she was kind of half watching it, but anytime that music would come on, I mean, she was just singing right along oh, to all the songs. I believe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I actually listened to uh, the soundtrack the other day just to kind of uh, prep myself for this. And besides, you know, obviously it's kind of one of those classic soundtracks of you know here's all the like super great songs, but then here's all these kind of fillers. But it's actually uh, a pretty good. Soundtrack overall, but I mean, it definitely defines that time. If you want to be like, what was 1992? It's like, okay, here's a soundtrack with Whitney Houston, but also a song by Aaron Neville with Kenny G playing sax. I mean, it is just like pure, like early 90s. So, so you had an issue with his name? That was something you had brought up.
1: I mean, Frank Farmer, that is not a bodyguard name. His name should have been like. You know, something more stereotypical, I feel like. Frank Farmer, it reminds me of like a local banker or something. You know, not like a bodyguard. I think it was the Farmer more than the Frank. You know, Frank is it. fine, but it should have been something really, you know, macho or something. I I thought it was kind of a vanilla-ish name, which... Maybe they meant, you know, like you don't remember it. It fades into the background, but. um, Yeah, I thought he deserved a more macho name.
0: What, what, what do you consider a macho name now? I'm really curious.
1: I mean, I don't know. It's not farmer. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I don't know what it is, but it's not farmer.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you think of farmers, you know, they're you know, they're with nature, they're outdoors, you know, they're making food, all that kind of stuff. He should have been like, I don't know.
0: Maybe this is where I was trying to be kind of heavy handed of like, you know, farmer is complete opposite of this diva pop star. You know, maybe it was one of their, one of their ways of creating more of that, like two different worlds come together type of thing.
1: I just would have liked to be a fly on the wall in whatever writing session they were in for this screenplay where they were like, this is the best name that we could come up with. Frank Farmer. Like why? (laughs) I'm sure there was a reason and it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Um, Also, what are your thoughts about Kevin Costner's haircut in this movie? Nothing. Um, I, I thought I thought it was horrible, but I, Whitney didn't seem to be as bothered by it as I, I was. Mean, but.
1: I thought it was unremarkable. I guess at the same time, Nathan, which one of us does not look back at pictures of ourselves from, you know, that time period? You know, True. we thought we were styling, and at at the time, maybe we were, but we look back now and we think, oh, what was I thinking? You know that perm i got in fifth grade or whatever. that was the coolest thing so yeah maybe that was the look back then and we just don't remember
0: yeah uh, i was reading up and uh, apparently he was trying to emulate steve mcqueen uh in his movie bullet like steve mcqueen was kind of known for that haircut and so oh. um he was in now you know bullet right that's a that's a macho name. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe he was doing his best to get away from the Frank farmer and channeling, you know, <laughs> Steve McQueen His inner Steve McQueen. But uh, where, what, what are your thoughts about Kevin Costner
1: in general?
0: In general. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, in a way it's similar to Whitney Houston, but you know, on the acting side and not on the music side, you know, he's, obviously an icon of a generation, right? Everybody our age knows exactly who Kevin Costner is, right? You may not remember every movie he's been in, but I think there would be someone of our age, hard pressed not to be able to name at least one Kevin Costner movie, right? He's just somebody everybody knew.
0: Yeah, I I would dare to say, (laughs) I bet most people could name three movies they've seen of his, uh, which I think today like today's like there's just not as many pure like hollywood stars anymore and so um i mean just back then it was just a lot easier i mean there's just you could rail out rail off movies that he he's been in you know and it's just it's just harder now with so many movies and stuff but um at this point i've seen a lot of kevin costner movies and sometimes i'm a little up and you know down on him and what he does because he seems like such a simple man yeah well
1: i have to say that of all i mean i'm not a huge movie buff i've seen you know a good amount of movies but i'm not a movie buff the same way that you are but and i don't even remember what year it came out but field of dreams is such a you know nostalgic movie as well and i'm sure you know you could have a whole nother podcast about that movie at the same time you know kevin costner in that movie to me is the role i remember him in the most and of course it's such a feel-good movie right and you know i've been to the field of dreams and everything that again maybe it colors my viewpoint of him moving back in time i don't which one came out first do you remember
0: Oh, Field of Dreams came out before this one. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. It was in
1: 1989ish. Okay, a couple years yeah. before. Yeah. But I mean, that's a movie I've showed to my kids and um you know, maybe it changes my opinion of him looking back somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he's been Do you guys watch Yellowstone? We don't. Oh, Should okay. We? Um it it depends. I would have to. We we won't put it in the podcast. I would have to ask you a couple more questions to kind of fill out your taste for shows. So yeah. it is ridiculous. Like it. I mean, it is like soap opery to the max of what happened. If we had issues with some plot holes of this movie, <laughs> <laughs> I like forget about it with the Yellowstone. Uh, the example I always like to use is that they in one one episode they let a live bull loose into a bar. Um, And so, and that's kind of on the tamer side of what, what happens. (laughs) But anyway, it's totally ridiculous, but it's, it's pretty easy to fall into the uh, uh, family drama of it all. And so, like I always say, you know, I, I think people are drawn to these type of big, like family dramas and stuff, because it makes you feel not as bad. About years.
1: <laughs> so compare Yellowstone then to Shits Creek.
0: Uh, so I'm not uh, I'm not a Shits Creek person. So have you I'm seen a, it? I've seen like an episode or two. And I okay. just
1: I feel like it's also very soap opera y and somewhat unrealistic, but also in a way very funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yellowstone is not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. maybe funny in the wrong way sometimes, but yeah. Okay. So, well, um. okay. So I have a segment on the podcast called movie musings. And once again, I'm not trying to trick you here, Nina, but these are just some questions I thought of to ask you while I was watching this movie. Okay.
1: Oh my gosh. Is this a quiz? Let's try it and see.
0: Movie musings. You have a twin sister. Um, so have you ever betrayed your sister?
1: Have I ever betrayed my sister?
0: Yeah, is there something where you kind of look back on now, going, man, I totally threw her underneath the bus or anything? Are you guys? Well,
1: just... you know, this this is does not compare to Rachel and her sister, but I will say that when I was younger, you know, she was always the more bold sister, and I was the more shy sister, and so I didn't like confrontation, you know, as a teenager, and so when People would call our house and ask me to babysit. If it was a family I didn't want to babysit for, I would make my sister call them back and pretend to be me and tell them, (laughs) oh, I don't want to do it. But I'd make her do all my dirty work for me. I would not call that a betrayal, but throwing under the bus or maybe taking one for the team.
0: Yeah, I think that's just utilizing what you have around you.
1: <laughs> Maybe I mean, so, because our, you know, our voices are so yeah, similar that people yeah. can feel the difference. But, you know, it it obviously doesn't compare to hiring a hitman. <laughs> 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 we
0: were well, really on
1: the same team there. She was just, we were using our skill sets.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I totally I totally get your standpoint. I mean, that's one of the real reasons I married Whitney. She's bold that she she she's not afraid to ask the questions that sometimes I'm afraid to ask. So it's
1: one of the things I love about Whitney. Too.
0: <laughs> I totally get that. So um, so Rachel in the movie says uh, it's they've arrived to the Oscar show. They're about to get out of the limo. And she she kind of claps back at Frank and she says, when your time is up, your time is up. So I'll, what I was wondering is, do you live by that standard in your life?
1: Hmm. No, in the sense that I think what she was saying when she was about to get out of the limo is sort of like throw caution to the wind. You know, I'll do what I want. I won't take into account risk or whatever. And I I cannot say that that is my personal calculation. I would consider myself risk averse. (laughs) I might not have gotten out of the limo, Nathan.
0: So we, we talked about the song, I will always love you. And one thing I associate uh, in my brain uh, is I I don't know if this was big and you're grew up in North Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, roller skating was like a really big thing when I was in elementary school. and uh, Yeah. And the skating rink, um, which I am horrible at, by the way, Um, (laughs) that like, we're Bad, glad that
1: trend has passed
0: <laughs> yes balance uh, balance has never been my strong suit but i i i associate i will always love you uh to like a couple skate uh we kind of talked about it a little bit but is <laughs> uh, is is there another song or songs that make you think oh roller skating or another nostalgic song around this time
1: well, you know, now this is a really hard question because I never remember exactly what year different songs came out or whatever. And so um, I I think it's probably like too far different in time. But I feel like I don't associate songs like this so much with like the couple skate, although that's a great point, but more of like school dance type songs. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah. No, that's right. a good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of a similar.
0: Yeah, it's a good correlation.
1: I think um we were in high school i mean i think this was a little bit later now i can't remember what year all this stuff was but um do you remember i'm thinking like all the different like prom themes that we had and stuff and like um do you remember that song wonderful tonight
0: oh yeah by eric clapton
1: oh yeah so yeah. that was like a big like couple slow song oh I yeah for sure Leader, i feel like it, i think it was i think we were in high school then maybe
0: i don't know uh, that one
1: definitely comes up when i think about like school dance songs um
0: yeah the the song i thought in
1: our prom theme one night or one um year too i can't remember now but that one <laughs> immediately came to mind when you were like oh couples slow songs yeah. Wonderful Tonight was definitely one where like if you had your date or your boyfriend, you were out on that dance floor. And if yeah. you came with your girlfriends, you were standing on the side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the song that stuck out to me and ironically, uh, another song that is from a Kevin Costner movie is Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian oh, yeah, Adams. Right. Yeah. And so totally. I, I, I still to this day, I, I, I love that song but I also associate it to skate because as I mentioned, I was not very good and that song, and I just looked it up on Spotify is six minutes and 34 seconds long. So oh, I think the fact that horrible. this, yeah, okay. you know, it, you know, we didn't have the like songs kind of crossfade a lot faster now than they used to like in DJ situations, you know, songs that always play out, but yeah, it, it being so long, but yeah. Um, Uh, Another another music video I think of. of, I just imagine it's Brian Adams singing in the woods and it cuts to different scenes of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But (laughs) yeah. uh, So, uh, yeah, great, great soundtrack and the great thing with all the music streaming services now, like so easy to find. So uh, I I think everybody should throw on uh, the bodyguard and go down memory lane. Memory lane. I know
1: now that we've started talking about all the like slow songs from the 90s. Now I'm like thinking of more, you know, different songs that came out, (laughs) but you know, nostalgia from all those high school dances.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boys to Men, always classic, right? Did you you know know
1: that my first in person concert was Boys to Men? And you know who the opener was? Who? Brandy.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a
1: hot concert back in. I think it was probably 1993,
0: maybe. Yeah, I think yeah. I might
1: have been in seventh grade. Yeah. And the other opener, do you remember, Babyface?
0: Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So boys <laughs> to men, and the openers were Brandy and Babyface. That was a hot concert.
0: <laughs> where Where was the concert at?
1: At the Dean Dome.
0: Oh, <laughs> of course, where all the great musicians are.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it would be like going to the Chesapeake Center. Yeah, no, no, I know. I, I get it.
0: Yeah. I get it. I bet a lot of people who aren't familiar with North Carolina sports probably don't even know who which Dean you're speaking of.
1: Well, the one, the only Dean Smith, longtime <laughs> coach of the Tar Heels. <laughs> no Tar
0: Hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which sadly, be. Uh, uh, Baylor Bears last year, but we will not talk Uh, about that.
1: We won't talk about that.
0: That made me feel better that uh, they at least made it to the championship. Like when it comes to tournament time, you know, you're like, well, at least the team that beat us, like made it to the end. You know, does that make sense? Like, it's like at least a good team beat us, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Well, the Tar Heels are the best. So you were beaten by the best.
0: uh, Well, good thing I, this is my podcast and I can edit that out. (laughs) You're
1: just going to edit that out, aren't you?
0: (laughs) So um, okay, so just kind of a quick recap. Uh, I think you would you would definitely once your girls get a little older. And I also want to say real quick that this R, R rating. I you know there, I think not until the end. There's a couple like you know F words that are thrown out there, but like it kind of surprised me. I was like, why why did they make this movie rated R? I I thought that was a little peculiar. I don't know if that hit you at all.
1: Well, I mean, I think compared to a today R rating, it's pretty mild. I don't know why they rated it r2 the only thing i could possibly think is just that the sort of the the general like hitman concept could be disturbing
0: right i and get also
1: that the um you know the the bad ex-secret service agent whatever his name was yeah I, he i mean he kind of tried to assault whitney houston in that bedroom
0: i will which, say yes
1: again compared to what you see today Pretty mild, but, but you know yeah. that was like, you know, a little bit sexually aggressive or I don't yeah. know how you might like, if you're thinking about 30 years ago, maybe that was kind of what yeah, played into it. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's fine. Silence, Silence of the Lambs was released in 1991. One year before this, that also kind of goes into the psychopath thing. And that I, is a lot darker than uh, this movie <laughs> as far <laughs> as people that are psychopaths. So, uh, yeah, I just. I I thought that was a little interesting. But anyway, let's, let's say your girls get a little older. Is this a movie you're like, hey, hey, you two, you need to watch The Bodyguard?
1: I think I would. I would definitely watch it with them, but from a sense of. Hey, this was a movie that came out when I was a kid and it was so famous and, you know, You know, like you said, one of the highest grossing movies. It was like a film of a generation. What do you think of it? And just kind of see what they would say. Not so much as I loved this movie so much or whatever, because I don't feel a strong connection to the movie per se. I have these strong memories of the music videos, of the soundtrack, but not the movie so much. But sure, I think it'll be fun when they get a little bit older to show them some of the you know, iconic or, you know, movies of our generation and see what they think. Yeah, I think that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I don't know about it uh, (laughs) for me, but it's a movie I'm glad I saw, especially in, you know, the historical context of movies and just how much this movie meant to the early 90s. And so I'm glad I watched it from that standpoint. But Yeah. yeah, I think I would, you know, I, I would front that with a little bit going, you know, Hey, just so you know, I don't think this movie is good, but you, you know, you might. So you know that to, go-
1: but Nathan, you have to let them form their own opinion about it. Maybe they'll love it.
0: Yeah, that's true. You never know. So never know. maybe, maybe they'll go down the path of either a uh, diva or a bodyguard. You never know. So <laughs>
1: maybe I kind of <laughs> doubt it, but maybe,
0: So for next week, we're going to stick to a common theme with this uh, kind of this musical music theme. But we're going to talk about another musician, at least from my childhood. And um, he had a huge impact. I hate to say that because this is already going to just tell a lot of people about myself. But Nina, are you a fan of Weird Al at all?
1: You know, I I cannot say that I am personally (laughs) a Weird Al fan, although (laughs) You know, I know that many people are. I'm really glad you did not invite me to be on the Weird Owl podcast.
0: How about that? Well, well, did you know there's a new biopic about Weird Owl? I did not. Okay, awesome. Okay, if you could, if you could think of anybody who is playing Weird Owl, famous actor, I'm just going to give you give one guess of who it might be. I know you won't get it right, but I, I just can't. I can't wait for this reaction.
1: Well, now you've really put me on the spot. What an actor?
0: Youngish actor.
1: Weird Al.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think of a a popular children's book series.
1: Oh, Harry Potter. Oh, Ron Weasley.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, Daniel Radcliffe.
1: Oh, funny. You know who I was really going to say, because and this is not an actor and would make no sense other than I feel like there's some physical similarities because you know like weird al he has that like long curly hair yeah, kind of. yeah okay yeah you know who i feel like also not anymore but when he was an athlete had that same hair was that um really famous snowboarder with the red hair that was like really yeah. wild sean yeah sean white sean, sean white, white. Yeah. you know like the f- crazy yeah. puffy like yeah. red curly hair I was yeah. going to see somebody that has like big hair, but I guess yeah. you could always put a wig on somebody. Yeah. I would not have said Daniel
0: Radcliffe. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe I know, but um, appropriately the movie is called weird. And it, it came out this past weekend. I had not have a chance to watch it yet, but it's streaming for free on the Roku channel. So oh. you, you you can catch up with it. It's gotten really positive reviews. And so um, our listeners can have a chance to watch it before we discuss it uh, on next Wednesday's episode. So um, and and I,
1: who is your guest going to be for that one?
0: Oh, just, uh, he, he's been on the podcast now two times, but one of my best friends, Kyle Radford. So uh, anyway, I texted him. I said, did you, did you like Weird Al, you know, while we were growing up, you know, when you were growing up? And he was like, yes. I was like, okay, great. So, which is funny. We've talked about a lot of things in our life, but I don't think we've ever really discussed Weird Al before. So I think it will be an interesting conversation.
1: I can't wait to listen to that one.
0: <laughs> and watch And watch it, right?
1: I'll consider it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I, it, I'm i glad you agreed to do this. And I loved your dedication of, you know, watch, uh, watching it on the plane.
1: It was a great opportunity to go down memory lane. It, it gave me all sorts of memories from, you know, my teen years and, you know, music videos and all of that kind of stuff. So I was so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, too bad. Too bad, Devin didn't get to watch it with you. I would really like his opinion on this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should have him on sometime. Maybe if you do like a sports movie or something.
0: Like I feel, like I feel the dreams. I'm sure I can. Uh, <laughs> oh, he
1: could talk your ear off about Field of Dreams. Okay,
0: that'd be a good. That would be a good another one. Kevin
1: Costner. Both Carlsons could do Kevin Costner movies.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: There you
0: go. <laughs> Carlson's on Costner. I like it. Hey, look, I love it. Yeah, yeah there you go. You That's can uh, start a new. You can start a new podcast. You can cover Yellowstone. You can cover <laughs> Field of Dreams. You. Robin Hood, I mean all the oh things. Oh my gosh. Waterworld. Oh. Da- Dances with Wolves.
1: Okay, I can get on board with that one. I'll do that
0: one. JFK? Sure. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, you have a you have a good night. I have a feeling I kept you up past your bedtime, so.
1: Well, that that's okay. This was fun. I I can say I've never been on a podcast before. So now check on a, that bucket list item.
0: Well, get ready to get famous. Just warning you now.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to send it to, like, my family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and more people, friends and family. Go to com. You can find all the links. Cool. There you go. You helped me plug the podcast. So, there you go.
1: Anytime, all- birthday triplet.
0: All right, yes. <laughs> well, have a have a good week.
1: Okay, you too. Go vote. Oh, I'll vote.
0: Oh, this this is releasing... <laughs> after election day but anyway oh so
1: everyone voted
0: yeah (laughs) hope your voice was heard
1: (laughs) maybe joy will be our governor
0: (laughs) oh Oh, fun fun (laughs) all right bye
1: bye